0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakat Rahman Rahim Alhamdulillah Bila wa sallama wa baraka ala Nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa Sahbihi ajma'in. We welcome you all to another session, Bi Ibn Today we will be discussing some of the stories in the twentieth Juz. And Alhamdulillah, we've reached the 20th juz. that's roughly two-thirds of the Quran, and that would mean that two-thirds of Ramadan has also passed almost in most parts of the world. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those who make the most out of the month of Ramadan and from those who are able to witness Laylatul Qadr and who have the greatest reward. And we find Allah wa ta'ala again mentions the story of Musa alayhi salam in quite a bit of detail from when he was young and how he grew up in the palace of Fir'aun. Thereafter he left Umadiyya and came back to Fir'aun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions all that as alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.
1: Wa alaykum as wa, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you, Shaykhana? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm wab.
0: Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Today in the 20th juz, we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Suratul Qasas mentions the story of Musa alayhi salam. Once again, the story of Musa alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it, he narrates it. This time from a bit of a different angle, he mentions how, you know, when he was young and he grew up with his mother, then his mother, basically when he was still very young, put him into the the Nile or the river. And he then grew up in the palace of Fir'aun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions other stages in his life as he grew, what occurred, how he had to run away to Madian. He then got married. He then came back. I think before getting into the points, what I found very interesting, yes. We all know that the story of Musa alayhi salam, we've heard, is mentioned many times in the Quran. But personally, I didn't know that it's mentioned so many times. You know, when when you look, when you start looking for certain things, you find that in almost every Jews, Musa alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, and in a lot of detail. And obviously, one of the only reasons for this being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story constantly because there are so many lessons we can derive from it.
1: Yes, and the angles also that we have, you know, they come from different, different angles. So I think in that itself, there's a lesson for us to to learn that, you know, sometimes one story has so many different angles uh, that you can look at it from. So uh, perhaps you may have seen it from your lens. It doesn't mean that the, the other person's lens is uh, wrong per se, uh, but it might just be another angle of looking at it, another part of the story. Uh, Etc.
0: Very important point. You know, the, the more you look at something, the deeper you're able to go into it, study it in depth, especially when it comes to the Quran, probably, you know, derive more benefit. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala mentions how he inspired to the mother of Musa, alayhi salam, wa Musa an ardi'i, you know, breastfeed him, look after him whilst he was still a baby. After that, put him into the river, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a few things in that verse. I think what was interesting is one of the Mufassiri mentions that in this verse, one verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala mentions Amran, uh, two orders, two you know, prohibitions, don't do this or don't worry about this. And bisharatan, two glad tidings, all in this one verse. So if we go over the verse, we would find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <أَرْضِعِيه> The first order is that, you know, breastfeed him, look after him when he's still young, still a baby. فَإِذَا خِفْتِ عَلَيْهِ فِي الْيَمِ If you fear, you know, you're you worried about him, you know, he's growing up now, the people might come to kill him, then throw him into this river. So here we find two amrz or two orders are given. وَأَلْقِيهِ فِي الْيَمْ وَلَا تَخَافِي Don't fear. Here's your Nahyan, Don't fear about him. وَلَا تَحْزَنِي Don't be sad. Then he gives two pieces of glad tidings, two promises. إِنَّا رَادُّوهُ We will return him to you. You've put him into this river, this Nile. Even though a person who looks at it, they would think that he, he'll he probably, it's more likely that he's going to, you know, drown or at a time where they were killing the young boys, it's more likely he's not going to survive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, not only will he survive, we'll bring him back to you. رَادُّوهُ إِلَيْكِ And we will make him from the Anbiya. And that's another piece of glad tidings or good news that Musa alayhi salam would become a Nabi. And this was informed when he was still very young. So I found that very interesting. Yes, absolutely.
1: Subhanallah. Subhanallah, there's so much to the story of Musa alayhi uh, salatu In this particular verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Musa uh, Musa That we uh, revealed or literally inspired Not revealed but inspired to Musa, the mother of Musa That feed him And after feeding him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Then throw him into the uh, Nile So Later on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَحَرَّمْنَا عَلَيْهِ الْمَرَاضِعَ مِنْ قَبْلُ And we made haram the, or, or, or literally you know, prohibited or prevented anyone other than the, the mother of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, to feed uh, this child. So the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells her to first breastfeed the child and then throw it into the Nile means that there's a bond that was created there. And later on he says, look, Uh, we've prevented or stopped anyone else from breastfeeding this child. So it teaches us the bond that is created when a person uh, or a mother breastfeeds her child. There's a special bond, perhaps, that is created from this. Now, this is just an inference that we've drawn from the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa
0: ta'ala, obviously, He he knows best. Uh, As you mentioned, also in the sunnah, we find that in fiqh, that there's a whole chapter on, uh, you know, where a child is given to another woman and she breastfeeds him. And as long as it's within the stipulated period, so that's uh, two years or less whilst the child is still, you know, suckling and uh, it's enough. So some say three suckling, some say five, etc. whatever it may be, that detail is fiqhi. But after that, this child or this woman becomes a mahram for this child. It becomes the foster mother and there's, Uh, other ahkam or other rulings that then follow. So there is a bond and Allah knows best.
1: Subhanallah, that's also true. I didn't even think of uh, that angle.
0: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions or he then says how, you know, Musa alayhi salam, he grew up in the palace of Fir'aun right under, you know, the watch of the person who was fearing this specific boy he then says one of the days in the city, there was some sort of argument between somebody from the people of Musa alayhi salam from his you know, clan or people and from another clan. Musa alayhi salam, he then strikes this person, not trying to kill him, but you know, out of defense, out of helping somebody else. And this person eventually dies. Musa alayhi salam was a very strong man. Again, he comes the next day, he finds the same person, the one from his clan who had a problem. He has a problem with somebody else. So Musa, alayhi salam, tells him, you're just trying to, you know, cause facade in the land and Musa, alayhi salam, leaves him. After that, there's talk in the city that people want to catch Musa, alayhi So one man, he comes to Musa, alayhi and tells him that, you know what, leave this city, run for your life, basically. So Musa, alayhi left and he went to Madian. Again, these are, Parts of the story which have so much detail, so many lessons in them. Sheikhana, if there's anything you want to touch on or we get to the points we wanted to speak on.
1: Uh, sorry. Yes, there was one or two points that I was looking at uh, before we move on to the next part of the story. So, you know, where the wife of Fir'aun says to Fir'aun that, قُرَّةُ this this child will be a coolness of the eyes for me and for you. She's telling Fir'aun, don't kill him. Asa an yanfa'ana. Perhaps he will benefit us or we will take him as a child. And yet they did not perceive. Now, during this time, Fir'aun is listening and he accepts the opinion of his wife. And later on, this child ends up being Musa, alayhi salatu wa salam, who ultimately leads to the demise and destruction of Fir'aun. Now, the the point that I want to you know, focus on in this in this particular instance is that the wife of Firaun had this emotional connection to Firaun. And because she was connected to him in this manner, he accepted her advice and he took on Musa alayhi salatu was salam. So the people around us, their emotional connection to us can sometimes uh, mess around with our judgment. It can uh, you know blur our judgment so to speak you can uh, listen to them and because you love the person that's talking to you or you you don't really like the person that's talking to you then that can mess around with the uh, judgment that you make in a particular situation so it's important to sometimes divorce those emotions from a particular judgment that you make of course this was the decree and plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the the point is what do we gain uh, from this a uh, particular ayah where she's telling him that, you know, uh, he will be a, the coolness of your, of my eyes and your eyes, uh, yet it didn't turn out to be true for him. So something, something
0: interesting. Yes, it's very important for us, especially when we're in that position or, you know, you're judging or deciding between two people, you have to be impartial. Another important thing I was reading, you know, a side note, A lot of times our perceptions of things, you know, we develop a perception, especially if we haven't experienced this thing. Our perception is developed by how we were primed before we got to experience this item. So i give you an example. If you're going to meet somebody and I tell you that, you know what, I dealt with this brother, you know, brilliant person, excellent person. I've already, you've already been primed. So you're expecting certain things or you're more likely to be a bit more open with him because you've got a relationship with me, you know me, and you say that he trusts him. So I might not trust him fully, I don't know him, but you're a bit more at ease. As opposed to if I tell you you're going to meet this person, you know, he's a bad person, I've dealt with him, you know, there's no goodness in him. I've already given you that impression and you've been primed to then go... And now, most probably, it may not be, but a lot of the times your actions will be according to what's been said to you before you actually experience that situation.
1: Subhanallah, yes, absolutely. That's uh, another angle on the same ayah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, Then the mother of Musa alayhi salatu wa salam says to uh, his sister, that's the sister of Musa, correct? Uh, That go and look for him. Yes, so go and look for him. So she noticed them, the enemy, without their knowledge from from a side, one side. So we're allowed to sometimes spy on a situation and in a situation. And we need to make it very clear when it's absolutely necessary for our safety or to save the life of a human being for a valid reason. You can actually... Uh, spy on on people in order to gain some knowledge that will benefit you, and then you can uh, perhaps you know remove that person from a dangerous situation or save that person like here Musa والسلام, was being returned to his mother so he's, 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 uh, his mother tells the sister that go and look for the child and see what you can find out so she goes and she uh, watches from a distance from uh, the, the the side and then later on. When, when Musa alayhi salatu wa salam is now refusing to be uh, fed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something very interesting. So she immediately stood up and she says, look, can I show you the home or the people of the home that will look after him and they are well wishes for him. So when the time was right, she struck People might not accept what you're about to say, but because it was the perfect timing, she waited when he had refused all of the... Now she stands up and says, right, I found the right family. They look after him. So it was the right time. So in our lives as well, uh, we've got to make sure that it's the right time to strike for an opportunity. You know, don't just stand up in the wrong place Saying the right thing, it might be right what you're saying, but it might not be the right place and uh, time
0: to say it. So I think you mentioned two very important points. You, you had cut off a little bit. Basically, Sheikh Ibrahim was saying that uh, at times, for your, you know, for some benefit to save a life, etc. You know, the word "spy" sometimes people associate it with something else. So we'd say that to gather information on a certain topic or what's occurring. Mm-hmm so that there's no confusion. Another thing is that uh, he also mentioned that your timing, sometimes you have to wait, you have to be patient, and then when you get your opportunity, you take it. The sister of uh, Musa alayhi salam, when she saw that M- Musa alayhi salam had refused all the people who were trying to feed him, she then took her opportunity and said, we can show you somebody who you know, will be able to feed him.
1: Yes. Uh yes Subhanallah. i think uh, you you're right the right word to use is gather information rather than saying spying because you know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says Let who don't spy upon the people so that's the general rule uh, you don't want to spy on people
0: moving on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how musa alayhi salam eventually you know he leaves madian He's on his way he's running for his life literally and he comes to a place where you know, he's got nothing, he's run for his life, and he settles down and he makes a du'a, rabbi إِنِّي لِمَا أَنزَلْتَ مِنْ خَيْرٍ Basically, I'm in need of any type of goodness you send me, oh Allah. Then he finds that there are people, you know, feeding their animals with the well or with the water. And Musa, alayhi salam, then sees two ladies. He not giving them, you know, long conversations, etc. He just asks, you know, what's wrong? And they say that we wait for everybody to finish and then we make our animals drink, so Musa alayhi salam, takes these animals, not asking for anything in return, you know, not striking up a conversation to telling them how's this and that, no, he does what he needs to, just out of his goodness, he's, you know, one of the worshippers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he hadn't yet received wahi, and Musa alayhi salam, does this and he rests under or in this shade asking Allah for any goodness. The girls then go home, they tell their father about this, and the father wants to know more about Musa alayhi salam, so they bring him home. He then tells Musa alayhi salam to work for him for a little while or to work with him, and he also tells him that he will marry one of his daughters to Musa alayhi salam. I think there's quite a lot that can be said here. One of the points I'll touch on when it comes to marriage, look at Musa alayhi salam, he's left his people, He's gone to another city or another country altogether. And yes, the marriage advice is not a one-fit-all, it's not everything. I'm just saying one part of it. Sometimes you've also got to consider maybe you might get an option, somebody in a completely different country, in a completely different place from a completely different environment. I think we should look into it at least, especially if you know there might be some goodness that comes out of it. Musa alayhi salam is being offered to get married in a different place altogether, to completely different people. They probably had, you know, different ways of doing things, different country, different setting, different environment. So I think if, especially the world we live in today, instead of just saying no, no, and no, sometimes we're not saying just say yes, we're saying, you know, give it a chance, look into it. It may be, it may end up being, you know, worth it.
1: Yes, absolutely, subhanAllah. And uh, I believe at, I think it was at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, there were people who came and uh, they were very weak in nature, etc. And he asked them that, what do you do when you get married? And they said that they get married all uh, in and intermarry, you know, in and among themselves. So what he he, he advised them to do is go back and when they marry, they should marry out of the, the tribe. And this would create a stronger lineage amongst them. So I think there's a lot of benefit from, from that. Uh, I may be mistaken when I say that it's uh, the time of Umar ibn al Khattab, radiallahu anhu. I'm not 100% certain on that. But uh, the, the lesson is that, you know, uh, sometimes marrying in, inter, uh, you know, in between tribes is something that will actually benefit the people who are in between different uh, cultures and uh, beyond borders. Uh, so subhanallah, that's a that's a powerful point that uh, was derived there, uh, mashallah. You know, what I find amazing is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَجَاءَتْهُ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى <laughs> afterwards, And she was walking uh, with, you know, shame. She was bashful in her manner so it's teaching us that yes the interaction that needs to happen between a man and a woman can take place but there are guidelines in Islam we do it according to the guidelines of Islam we do it with bashfulness with uh, a a sense of respect where you know you don't go out and say things that are immoral say that which is wrong uh, say that which is hurtful you, you you maintain that balance and that respect when uh, treating the people or interacting with the people of the opposite uh, gender. Here she was and she's coming, she speaks to Musa alayhi salatu salam From what we can see, it's only them, uh, it's her and him, you know, there. Obviously, it wasn't uh, in, in seclusion, but it was, uh, you know, a respectful conversation because she came walking with bashfulness, she came walking with shyness, Uh, It wasn't an
0: open or a a lewd conversation, so to speak. Yes, I think it's an important point you mentioned, that sometimes when you've got, you know, something that has to happen, you go to a shop, the guy selling is, you know, a man or a woman, somebody from a different gender, then there's certain things that have been permitted, you know, where it's needed, where it's necessary. And extra after that, then that is where, you know, we have to, uh, carry ourselves in a manner befitting for a Muslim yes
1: absolutely uh, can I can I mention the, the next uh, few points that I wanted to touch on yes on the same part yes yes so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says أَنْ I'd love to you know I want you to marry one of these two uh, daughters of mine this is the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling uh, Musa alayhi salatu wa So it's interesting that he's saying that I want you to marry one of these two daughters of mine. Yet she had only asked him uh, to hire this, this uh, young man who was Musa alayhi salatu wa So the father understood what the daughter wanted and he protected her, uh, her, her her intent at the same time by just saying that I want you to get married To one of these uh, daughters of mine So I think we need to understand Situations beyond what is being Said at times Uh, The the, the lady is saying hire him But it was clear that The father understood she was interested in him And he immediately says that look I'd like you to get married to one of these Two daughters of mine Now something interesting that This Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Was it is said that he was incapable of at the time of really uh, doing much he was old he was weak uh, he couldn't really do much so you could say that he killed two birds with one stone by uh, getting his daughter married to Musa alayhi salatu salam so he achieved multiple things from this marriage uh, one was he got his daughter married two he uh, he had a person to help them out and be there for them, support them, etc. So sometimes you want to achieve different things from a marriage. That's okay, but it's important that everybody is on board. Uh, so it shouldn't be that the the, 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 the the lady or the woman or one of the parties doesn't want to get married and you're forcing them into that marriage. Uh, it doesn't work. You know, this happens in the business world where uh, people... Um, they get their daughters married to their partners sons and this is wrong if that daughter doesn't want to get married you don't uh, go ahead with this thing because that would be oppression uh on you know to her so i think we can we can learn from this that yes if there are multiple objects object, objectives that will be achieved from a marriage uh, then that's fine but uh there shouldn't
0: be oppression on any part
1: at all whatsoever
0: I think two points that come out or stand out that uh, I'd like to touch on. The first is when it comes to the daughter being interested in Musa, السلام, unless you may have read it. I've never read it and I've never heard that. So maybe if we check that, because may- maybe they wanted somebody to just help with them in the first place. After that, when they got married, it's separate. So I don't know about that. The second part, somebody is saying that, uh, are we allowing people to then go and, you know, work together? We are talking about the interaction that occurs in, in a place where you can't run away from it. We're not talking about anything else right now that has its conversation to be spoken about. If you go to a shop and you find that the person serving you is somebody from the opposite gender, then and you need something, you need to buy something, then there's a way to carry yourself as a Muslim You know, just doing what's, or asking for what's necessary, taking what you need, being necessary. We're not speaking about anything else. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Sheikh. Moving on, we find uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at the end of this surah, he speaks about Qarun. If there's anything else you want to touch on, on the story of Musa alayhi salam, maybe we can mention it before we go to Qarun. No, let's move on, inshallah. Qarun was from the people also at the time of Musa alayhi salam, and he had a lot of wealth. However, his wealth, you know, it, it caused him to become arrogant. He didn't want to give its due right. He thought it was all from him and his own doing, forgetting the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgetting the fact that, you know, there's other people who he could give and help with this wealth. I think... Uh, there's quite a few lessons we take from the story of Qawun. One of them being, when the people advise him, they tell him, Wala tansa dunya." You know, if you're doing all this with your wealth, don't become, you know, don't lose your mind and forget Allah. No, you've got to live in the dunya. Don't forget the fact that there is the akhirah. So that's your main goal and your main aim. But at the same time, whilst you're in the dunya, you know, get your little bit or do what you need to do in terms of, you know, living, buying something, doing some business. Another way of interpreting it is wala dunya, meaning don't forget to do good deeds whilst you are earning your wealth or doing something of the dunya.
1: Yes, absolutely. SubhanAllah, that's the first time I'm hearing that interpretation of the verse. So it's interesting, SubhanAllah. Uh, the second one that you mentioned where whilst you're working, etc., uh, don't forget your uh, SubhanAllah, that's something interesting. Um Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, uh he, he says in that same verse, in fact, that same portion where Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says, And seek that with that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the afterlife, dar al And don't forget your uh, portion in the dunya, which for me means that you know, tell the people that. They should go out and use what they've got for tempor- with temporary, the temporary means that they have in this world, their businesses, their wealth, etc., to build that which is everlasting. But at the same time, they shouldn't forget their portion of the dunya, meaning the general rule and the general focus and aim should be the akhirah. But don't forget the dunya as well. You need to survive. You need to live. So uh, once I was sitting with... Um, a scholar and his son actually, and it was interesting what he said to him. He said, look, son, we're not looking for a luxury in this world. We're looking for comfort. So yes, luxury may be something that, okay, if you really enjoy it, but at the same time, if you can be comfortable and happy in this dunya and get to the Akhirah with that minimal comfort, you don't need to be suffering, but with comfort, alhamdulillah, that's okay. You know, taking it to an extravagant uh, level obviously would be haram. But if people who love uh, to, for example, fly first class, that's fine. That's okay. Uh, that's their, their their business. But if you can uh, do with perhaps business class, to put it so you know, in an, in a in a uh, simple situation for all of us to understand, that if you can do with business class, then do with it and carry on. Why why do you need to be in first? Uh, you you can survive. In in business, you can be comfortable in business, then live in business, and that's okay. Alhamdulillah, you'll get to your destination ultimately comfortably. You would have been okay and fine. Uh, not to say that what those the, those people who take first class are wrong. I'm not saying that uh, at all. That's their business. That's fine. That's totally okay as well. But sometimes living in luxury is it, it takes your focus away from the akhirah because you now start focusing on the on the luxurious things of this dunya. And how, you know, to, to spend your wealth on that rather than holding your akhirah.
0: Yes, ultimately your wealth is a means to do good deeds, to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, you're allowed to use it, you know, for your some dunyawi or some worldly things you need. And as you mentioned, there's no harm if a person is not doing anything haram. And to live in, you know, to have a bit of comfort and to get a few things, then that's also okay. I think another interesting point that stands out for me, at the end of the story, after Qarun is destroyed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Basically, those who were wishing to be like Qarun. Qarun was seen in society as, you know, being somebody who had a lot of wealth. He was looked up to for this, and people were wishing to be like him. Then after he's destroyed, you find that the people who are wishing to be like him, they then say that, oh, you know, wake anna Allah! It's like, what happened? It's only Allah who gives rizq to whoever he wishes. I think something very interesting and important, a lot of times we forget, you know, when you see somebody in society today, they may have a position. Even if they may seem, you know, very rich or religious apparently according to you don't ever wish to be like them you don't know what goes on in their life you don't know what you know sin they may have also some people make dua they say oh Allah make me exactly like this person you don't know the whole the whole uh, the whole situation or the whole scenario you don't know maybe that person has bad things they also do maybe it's better to ask Obviously, ask for all the goodness that the messenger, sallallahu was given. And the other people who are pious ask for that goodness. But as for wishing to be like somebody who's, you know, just wishing completely and fully to say, make me like this person. Well, you don't know. That person could be having problems in their marriage. They could be having financial difficulty. They could be having so many things. And your dua is just one big broad dua to say, oh, Allah, exactly like how that person is, make me like that. So I think that's important to mention.
1: That's so true, Wallahi. In social in this time of social media where people are sharing their profiles and their pictures, etc., we sometimes look at these pictures and think, oh, I wish my life was like theirs. But it's so true that uh, there's parts of their lives that we have no idea to what's happening and what's going on uh, in them. SubhanAllah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, So we uh, caused him and his home to be swallowed up. So something interesting, the earth swallowed up not only him but his uh, home as well. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cause the home to be swallowed up and why does he mention this as well? Um, obviously the entire wisdom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best but perhaps there is a uh, an indication in this that you know sometimes we feel that when the punishment comes down it only comes down on the person but your entire empire can be swallowed up as well, if you were
0: ask him to grant us the ability to use it in that which is most uh, beneficial. I mean, we only got the last part of what you mentioned. Maybe if you could recap quickly, because we didn't get what you mentioned.
1: Uh, Subhanallah. Subhanallah. It keeps, uh, keeps breaking up. How's that now? Is that a bit better?
0: Yes, you had mentioned that Qarun was destroyed along with his possessions. Is that a bit better now? I think we've... uh, Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay,
1: No. so I was mentioning how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the home as well. So, you know, the the home and the empire doesn't go down as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying no matter how vast your empire is, so... This is something that's uh, interesting in that I hope you caught uh, what I said there.
0: We still didn't manage to get to what you mentioned. Maybe, inshallah, if we take it tomorrow. But from what I gathered is that Arun, he himself was swallowed by the earth as well as his possessions. And uh, I think what we learn from that is when the punishment comes, Yes it may have, sometimes people forget that it not only afflicts them but it will, it may also take the whole empire with it and it may also crumble altogether i think that's what you mentioned
1: yes yes subhanallah yes that's the that's the point
0: subhanallah cheikhana is there anything else you'd like to mention wallahi i can't uh, think of anything alhamdulillah at least we managed to get to the end of the session and some people mentioning they didn't get it. Basically, Qarun was destroyed. Along with him, his possessions were also destroyed. They were also swallowed up. And from this, we take that sometimes when a person's destruction is written, you know, not only they fall, but the whole empire may fall with it. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. Even Allah, tomorrow we go over the 21st juice. Even we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us goodness. And, uh, yeah, I think we leave it there. Shaykhana jazakum Allahu khayran. We'll see you tomorrow. Inshallah. Shaykhana jazakum Allahu khayran. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum as-salam wa
1: rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.